Welcome to Central Coast Chat, the podcast all about what's happening in the Monterey County area. I'm your host, Angelica Cabral, a reporter and podcaster with the Salinas Californian, part of the USA Today slash Gannett Network. This week, I spoke with Michelle House from the Monterey County Health Department about their cannabis education program, from how it began to where it's headed. First off, can you introduce yourself for our audience? Hi, my name is Michelle House, and I am the program supervisor for chronic disease programs for the Monterey County Health Department. Tell me a bit about the Cannabis Education Program. So the Cannabis Education Program started about three years ago. We began our work when we were given money from cannabis tax revenues, and the Board of Supervisors felt it was very important for the county to receive education that would complement um, you know the the work that was being done in our in our community to sell cultivate and begin cannabis business we are one of the largest growers of cannabis in california i think we are the third largest grower and we have out of our 13 jurisdictions um, the unincorporated area as well as several cities also have cannabis outlets and they sell. And so the Board of Supervisors thought it would be very important to be able to educate our young people, our college students, and then our pregnant breastfeeding population around the issues concerning cannabis and use. And how has it progressed since that time of getting the funding? Oh, it's changed a lot. So the original intention was really to think about how when you, when you look at um, educating community, how can you do that in a manner where you can reach the community and do that in a way where you can give honest, true information and also make sure that that information is data-driven? And I think from a public health standpoint, you wanna be able to deliver the truth and the, and the information you have, and you wanna be able to do that in a manner that will reach your community that's not, it's not preachy, it's not naughty puppy it's really about saying here's the information here are the facts and we want you to make the best choice that is is for you so whether that means uh, for the 16 year old it's keeping them away from cannabis for a few years and kind of waiting for that time when they're a little bit older their brain development has progressed and they can make a better choice or if I'm a pregnant breastfeeding mom, it's to be able to share the information that cannabis, when you use it, no matter what form you use it in, it will cross what's called the blood-brain barrier, meaning that it will go into baby through your breast milk or while you are pregnant. And then, you know, issues that really are for anyone who uses, even for our 21 and older, the issues surrounding using cannabis while you're driving. So really basic messages that can be delivered and can you can do that in a way that will um, allow I guess for the information to come in because I think for a lot of us if you preach and you kind of point the finger and you shame people they're not going to hear you they're going to completely shut down and we want to do that and you know so we want to deliver that information in a way that will keep people from shutting down and they'll they'll take in the information we hope and say okay well maybe that choice isn't right for me now or Maybe I'll wait a little bit longer. 
What are some of the programs you have to educate people? Well, currently we have two. So I will say this. I also wanted to say in the beginning, I thought of cannabis education as really groundbreaking and really starting to build a strong foundation as you do with a house. You want to start with a very strong foundation. So over the last three years, we have grown um, in our funding both that we have, we continue to receive the money from the Board of Supervisors, and we also now have been reaching out to, to the state and writing grants to be able to expand our program. So I think the question you asked was wonderful. It's, I, as I remember you said, how do we do that or what programs do we do or offer to our community? So we have a variety of different programs. Currently we, for example, we work with our, one of our community partners, Sun Street Centers, and they are already out in community doing work with parents and they're already out in the community doing work with our 10th grade health classes and we offered to collaborate with them so that sun street centers as part of their regular uh, in school education around drug use that they would expand that to include cannabis and uh, cannabis when you're driving because a lot of the 10th graders are also starting to get their license and it's a great opportunity to be reminding our young people that any kind of drug use is like using alcohol and it's it's going to affect your brain and when you get behind the wheel you're making a poor choice so you know we think a lot about the education we've done around alcohol and driving and i think we need to continue to let our young people know any kind of driving under the influence is going to cause you to make poor choices when you're out behind the wheel. So that's one aspect. The other aspect that we've expanded upon over these last few years with Sun Street is to be able to meet our parents right in the communities where they live. And we do a one hour or an hour to an hour and a half presentation just around cannabis and what the different types of cannabis are and how to talk to your children about cannabis use and we do that through what I call askable parent and askable parent is really a concept that comes across where I should be able to talk to my children at whatever age they are so that means whether my child is in sixth grade or tenth grade I should be able to talk about a variety of things with my youth and meet them right where they are developmentally and that could be around cannabis use but it could be around other drugs sexuality and so in particular this presentation looks at cannabis use and really invites parents to become open and askable and we spend a PowerPoint presentation time with them um, during this was done in person before COVID and now we do it through Zoom and we do that through trying to get parents through a variety whether it's schools or a variety of community agencies and they will set the the uh, Zoom meetings up and um, do you know run it that way. When when they were in person, it was really lovely because it really allowed other parents to meet each other and I think really talk to each other and say, you know, my child, I, I did notice they were vaping or they were doing this or that and how they addressed it and open up that dialogue between parents, which I think is also important and helpful because a lot of parents feel that they're out there and they're alone and they don't, they think, oh no, I'm the only one. And in fact, you're not. You're not alone and you're not the only one. A lot of parents are having difficulty talking to their kids. 
And you mentioned moving this to Zoom for COVID-19. And are there any other ways in which COVID-19 slowed down operations? Well, I think the other portion that, you know, that we're doing for education is in the schools. And that funding that I mentioned for the, from the state, the Prop 64 funding, I have a staff member on my team who is an amazing educator. And now with, uh, with COVID-19, instead of going into the classroom until, and she was really focusing on the eighth, ninth grade, the younger years, trying to get into the classroom, we have to be able to do that through, as you said, kind of an online platform. So we have to utilize curriculum that can be done through an online uh, platform and also be an interesting because when you're in front of a class and you're engaging them, it's a very different concept than having to engage them online. We have to keep your interest and we may have to do that through an online, as we're seeing at this very moment, you know, the conversation, we have to be able to do that for 40 minutes and keep you engaged and keep you asking questions and keep you wanting to come back and get more. And it's a, so it's a, a very different form of education and it, and it involves not just the, the dialogue between educator and kids, but it also means what kind of materials am I sending out to you that you can look at, that we can use to talk about, that you can use to think about the questions that are coming the next day and prepping. So it's changed a lot. With our media campaigns, it's changed nothing because with our media campaigns, for example, with our um, cannabis decoded campaign, which is really directed towards our, our young population, our high school, we do that with Instagram and web pages and um, media that's um, driven through the places where the kids are already online because whether they're uh, in school in person, they're still going to go home and be online. So if they're listening to the radio, then we can push those messages out that way through online radio and lots of different media platforms because that's where the kids are. And so that hasn't changed at all. And then with our parent population, we have also started placing ads in the papers, for example, the Californian, and that's for our pregnant and breastfeeding population just to remind parents about using when they're pregnant and breastfeeding. And again, that would have happened whether we had COVID or not. And then we also have messaging out at DMV. I don't think that's changed because I think people still have their appointments at DMV and it's a little bit of a captive audience. Now I'm sure before, um, before COVID, uh, DMV was really packed with lots of people. And so more probably see the message at that point when they're all packed into DMV, but that message still runs through. And so those, those kind of um, messages haven't changed at all. And lastly, where do you think this cannabis education program is headed? Oh, wow. I, um, I love that question. I thought a lot about uh, that question when you and I discussed it previously. I think we are looking towards some big, interesting changes as cannabis changes. I, I think the thing to remember is cannabis, as far as what it means in the environment coming from illegal to a legal place in, in our community, we have a lot of work to do to be able to make, I think, really build friendships and build capacity with the individuals who are growing and, and marketing the products. 
And I think that's really important. And I feel like that may be a really big change over the next few years for our program. We've been doing what are called key informant interviews with community members who actually sell the cannabis, you know, they're the dispensaries in our community. And what is really lovely out of these conversations is that we find, you know, um, there is a lot of times they have the us, them, a lot of times people feel like, well, if we're the educators, then they must be the bad guy. But in fact, that's not the case. It's a, it's a legal product. It is allowed to be sold. And what a great opportunity in this new changing environment to be able to build these relationships and understand that we do actually have similar ideas. You know, uh, the individuals who run the dispensaries, they're, many of them are parents themselves. And they have similar ideas and similar ways of messaging, not just to their children, but to community, and that we can work together and build uh, a, a friendship that I think will allow us to have the capacity to share materials, for example. Maybe some of the materials that we start creating as health educators can be given out in some of the retail dispensaries and um, they can help us with messaging because I think when we are thinking about individuals who buy again we don't want to come across really preachy so we can work with them and say what do you think of this message and we can work with them to have messages that that I think are more inviting for the person to take in that information so I love that part and I think that is heading in a really big direction I think um, we set the stage maybe for other counties to look at that and have that opportunity because I think with other products that are sold, for example, with alcohol or tobacco, I don't think we have the same relationship with individuals that we can have with uh, our dispensary. So I think that's one thing. And then I think as we learn more about cannabis and how it affects our bodies, I think we'll change messaging and we'll learn more. And I think that is really key is that as things change and as we learn more, then we need to change the messaging or the information that we're providing to our young people or our community. And I, and I just, I anticipate that this is a, a new, a new, and I, I think, um, what's the word I want to say? Kind of like a new frontier. It's, it's really new and changing all the time. So I think um, our messaging and, and we have a lot of um, possibility. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. New episodes of our podcast go live on our website every Friday at 4 p.m. And you can also listen to us on iTunes. Just search Central Coast Chat. For more of our coverage, check out our website, www.thecalifornian.com, and follow us on Twitter, at Sal News.